Thank God it's free range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Lawson kicking things off for us tonight from the parable of the poet. That's Joel Ross with the impetus to be and do better. Something to consider as we head towards the end of the year and uh, maybe do some taking stock and some New Year's resolutions. Um, I'm taking stock because, of course, uh, it's year-end time and I'm trying to figure out my top 20 list in advance of the uh, annual New Year's Eve countdown show that I do with station manager Jared McKediak. Uh, We'll be doing our top 20 songs and top 20 albums. Earlier this week on my Instagram, which is at Wax and Caps, I posted the parable of the poet and a link on Linktree to my long list. It's an especially long list this year and in looking at it and reviewing things, A lot of jazz titles. So I'm going to be uh, featuring a bunch of those selections tonight from the jazz titles, uh, in part because I also had an interview earlier this week with uh, one of the creators of one of my favorite jazz records, Uli Hirvonen, Finnish guitarist who now lives in Brooklyn. He released Kielo on Rope Dope last month. We had a chance to talk about it at length. Uh, So we're going to get into that in just a bit here. But before we do, uh, I've got something from Cordam. Uh, this is a Quebec jazz group who uh, reinterpreted the classical composer Ravel with uh, an album called Ravel Inspirations. We're going to hear Prelude de Tombeau de Couperin here on 101.5 UMFM. Thank you. 
All right. Well, released last month, one of my favorite records of the year, Kilo from Oli Hivenen, uh, out on Rope Dope Records. We've played a couple tracks, but uh, I'm excited to have uh, Oli on to talk about it. Welcome to the show, Oli. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this is sonically a bit of a departure for you from, from past works. Like there's, there's some sounds and some tones to your guitar that you're achieving on this that I don't think we've heard before. Was that mm -hmm. like an intentional thing? Like had you decided to kind of explore this space? Uh, in a way, yes. Also in a way, it's like feels very natural for me kind of to take the sound to this kind of direction. It's not like I didn't go into studio with an idea that like I want to do something different. It's just like kind of this is kind of the... Um, feel like that's my progress as a musician. It's going to this kind of direction of like exploring just different sounds and also like exploring different influences that I've kind of amassed over, over the last couple of years. Okay. So speaking of influences, I, I mean, I've seen a couple of reviews that, you know, draw strong inference to Bill Frizzell. Mm -hmm. but were there specific records or, or guitarists that, suggested this was a path you would go sonically like did you uh, i mean for is definitely like a huge huge influence and it's been for many years for me now and i especially with with his playing i i really appreciate how he's kind of pretty much like bridging the gaps of all genres like he goes between the jazz and the americana stuff and also like he has albums with like very noisy and like almost metal like playing in his past you know mm -hmm. so, and i think just that kind of attitude of like not really restricting yourself stylistically is like is a huge inspiration for me for sure and same with someone like nels klein has been a big influence over the years and just kind of also his work with wilco and his avant-garde stuff and then more lately his like more kind of almost like jam band type playing you know mm -hmm. Like those kind of players, just like how they've kind of uh, conducted their careers and like what decisions they made, what kind of uh, environments they put themselves into are big inspirations for me in general. And also like people like, I mean, Julian Lodge has been a huge influence the last couple of years. Just with like he, his, his playing, especially like he's just unrivaled in like just the technique and how he plays the instruments. So those are probably been the biggest as like guitar players influences for me recently. Right. So the incorporation of like Americana, you mentioned Frizzell's done that. Was that like, had you heard a specific record or is that like a sound that you were kind of like diving into? Like what, what I mean, led you to incorporate that? I, I'm especially curious because, you know, you close with a, a big thief track and I was wondering if that kind of like, was a jumping off point for this. Record. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I've, I've been actually playing that big thief song for quite a few years now, live in different kind of environments. I actually learned, had to learn it for, I, I played it for a uh, friend's wedding uh, some years ago. And I just, I didn't know the band back then. That was just when their first album had come out. And I, I started listening to the album and that's that first big thief album is still like one of my all time favorite albums. It's just like, and I, I bet that was, might have been like the starting point of like okay exploring a little bit different kind of sounds and like with the Mar americana i don't know can you call big thief americana per se but it definitely has that influence that kind of acoustic folksy type of thing that they've explored much more in their later albums as well that kind of 
let me also and I've played in some indie rock bands over the years also so I've been uh I've been doing that kind of stuff a little bit and then like discovering a lot of also Wilco is a huge 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 influence probably one of my all-time favorite bands so like through those kind of pop or like whatever indie bands I've kind of explored that kind of sound a little bit and then like I think it was kind of time to bring that also to my own own music another actually like really influential guitar player that I discovered fairly recently is this guy William Tyler oh yeah a couple of like instrumental kind of like it's not like country it's definitely Americana kind of like alternative Americana vibes which I really really love yeah so you mentioned you know playing in rock bands like Mm -hmm. having other kind of pursuits is it is one of those things where just kind of naturally because you're in in different settings you start thinking about your instrument not exclusive to one genre like that it's like oh uh, yeah definitely definitely so i've yeah i kind of like come to some kind of conclusion it's like it's it's all available you know all these kind of different ways of playing the guitar are there you know and like there's no reason not to use use it you know it's like i've I played, you know, I played a lot of rock bands, a lot of like a little bit of metal and like more like noise, noise rock thing. And I've also played a lot of, you know, to be honest, I play a lot of cover bands, you know, play a lot of wedding gigs to make make the ends meet, you know, mm-hmm. so like all those kind of different approaches, you know, definitely like I think it's all all kind of taking the play, you know, just like my approach to the instrument. It's all kind of taking to different places and also helping me to explore different avenues and also then to kind of use parts, bits and pieces of everything that I do in my, in my own, own albums and my own music. It's with the wedding cover bands. Like, are you ever <laughs> asked by the, you know, wedding couple to like mm-hmm. learn a specific song that you, that was like completely new to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. All, all the time, all the time. So do, do those, like, do you find kind of maybe you're opening up to something you wouldn't necessarily have listened to on your yeah. own? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, often it's it's types of music that I don't really care that much about, you know. But every now and then there's there might be something that like I get some inspiration from, you know. But also I've I've done it so many years now, so it's like I can pretty much pick up a song in a couple of minutes, you know, and then forget about it after, you know. Right. Well, I was just curious about like if you've ever had a situation where something you wouldn't have mm. anticipated caring for like an artist you maybe yeah. disregarded or something that like you were like oh wait this song is like opened me up or i for have sure, to reevaluate sure. are... what i thought yeah there 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 could be there have been some moments like that yeah but it's there to be honest there are few and far in between right <laughs> so but it, it is interesting to play play different kinds of musics for sure and it's like as you say I like music that i wouldn't otherwise appreciate or would play it's like just definitely like you know it's all opening up my perspective in terms right. of you know now the the songs that ended up on kill um mm-hmm. i'm i'm curious the, like were they all written around the same time other, i mean other than obviously the big thief cover like was this kind of envisioned as these were the songs that were going to be on the record or did you pull any kind of like older songs and revisit them what was the process like for that so actually like they were all written in like very short period of time actually leading up to the recording session which was interesting because I've usually before I've had like uh, just like older songs and like it's not as like thoroughly conceived. But for this one, I definitely like 
I just started with pretty much blank slates a month and a half before the recording session, which was interesting, uh, interesting way to do it because I can definitely like, because of that, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things in common with a lot of the, a lot of the compositions I feel and like some unifying themes here and there, maybe not like specific melodic themes, but like overall the, the vibe I think is pretty like consistent throughout. And I, and that was in partly because I just during, you know, during COVID, during lockdowns and stuff, I didn't really write much music at all. Mm. So I, it was kind of a way for me to get out, get out of that kind of little, little writer's block and, you know, just like have a recording session already set up, paid for, and then like knowing that I have to write this amount of music to make this album. So it's, it was actually a pretty nice way to crank these tunes out. Had had you been in a situation where you'd had to kind of like write under the gun before, like with um, you know not, a recording date in mind? Not really, not 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 really specifically like this. I, mm. I guess like I had similar ways. I guess like I tend to write music anyway in like in bursts like that. Like I don't really have a consistent writing practice, which I which I regret a little. But it's usually when I have to have to come up with material for a specific setting or recording session or concert then then the writing happens so the process with with marty and nathan your bassist and drummer like do you bring fully formed songs to them or do you like bring an idea and help kind of work it out amongst the three of you like what's that process i usually do have pretty strong idea at least of a song and like melodic material so whatnot when i what i bring to the bring to the trio and i mean also we have been playing for so long together so they have a usually a pretty clear idea what i'm looking for from from them you know and also like you know we the tunes do uh evolve in rehearsals and even like for this like recording session we were changing a bunch of things that just you know because often we we have we play gigs and like we we can try out new tunes but for this specific thing like we obviously there wasn't that many gigs in the last couple of years so mm-hmm. we went to the studio like pretty much without ever playing these songs live which so then they end up evolving a little bit but sort of to make answer your question short yeah no i usually have pretty clear idea right already when bringing tunes and for this specific um uh, recording it's a little different because so Marty, usually I'm on my albums before, he's always played upright bass, you know? And for this one, he's playing Fender bass six, which is, uh, I don't know if you're aware, it's like a six string uh, bass guitar, pretty much just tuned, just tuned down octave low, lower from the guitar. Yeah, I'd read a, one of the reviews made mention of, of that, that yeah. he'd switched, switched the bass. So in, in terms of like, the instrument doesn't necessarily dictate the music, but did that, shape things in terms of like what he was playing and what he could play in in counterpoint to you oh for sure like it's it's such a cool instrument because it's pretty much has the range of a bass but you can still play chords and you can play play lines and it sounds like much closer to the the sound and timbre of guitar so i can i was able to write a lot of chordal material for him to play that wouldn't work with a normal electric bass or especially with an upright bass Mm. So it's like I was able to write a lot of like, you know, counterpoint, a lot of complementary 
like material to my guitar of course and lines and it because the sound of the instrument it blends really nicely with with my guitar so I, my goal was just like to try to make it sound as it's just like one big big stringed instrument that's like blending together and i think i i achieved that in many ways in a lot of the tracks i think it's just like a kind of a sound that you don't hear that much in a jazz setting at least except i actually just read because i don't know if you saw the beatles documentary that came out this year yeah uh, the get back the yeah Peter exactly Jackson one? Yeah. So i think like so the bass uh john lennon is playing on one of the track on all the tracks is bass six actually mm. so because of that documentary i think defender bass six is like was the most popular electric bass purchased last year oh <laughs> Every, everyone who saw the documentary would exactly. have got one yeah it's just, it's, it is a cool cool and like pretty unique instrument so it was interesting to explore that sound especially in like in writing because i knew already when i was writing this stuff that like that's going to be the instrument so i was able to incorporate a lot of that into the album and in the sound so had marty played that bass at all with you guys prior to the recording of this uh, record or was this like kind of like you knew he was playing this now yeah, so that's pretty much. I think we played a we played a one trio show in twenty twenty one at a small 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 club in Brooklyn, pretty close to where I live. Then he played, I think he played that live then. But then, so, but pretty much this this is the first time like we're writing. I was writing new new music for him to exclusively play that specific instrument. Right now you you mentioned you know like that the going into the studio this time you, you hadn't like you were basically like writing the songs and then like figuring them out in the studio did that like would, were you drawing on the dynamic that you guys had already had you know like playing out songs and and knowing kind of how to work off each other or did it like force you to kind of work with each other differently because you hadn't essentially like road tested these yeah i mean I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I think we have, we just, you know, we took the recording or the, the songs we took in the studio and then we kind of had to, you know, in the moment there, like figure out like which things were working and which, which were not, you know, so it's also, it's, it's a little bit, you know, stressful to be in a studio in that kind of situation because, you know, the studio time is limited and expensive. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But it actually ended up working really Really nice and naturally i had my my concept all the time like going to the studio was it like i wanted to record all in the same room and no headphones no separation which actually made it i think made it really nice experience being in a studio like that because usually like my before almost before like you're all all separated or your amps are in different rooms and wearing headphones and i feel personally it's it's hard to get like a nice connection or like play together in that way. So being in a, in one room also like really close together and our, all our amps and instruments were also in all in the same room. So it's like really kind of almost live recording vibe, which also helped in this situation because there were things to work and like we're changing stuff. So mm -hmm. being like all together helped create that kind of atmosphere that it was possible to do that. Does that make it easier than like when you do play these songs out that you've, if you've recorded an album in the studio when you're all separated, it's not the same as on stage. Whereas it sounds like this is much more akin to what you guys would exactly. normally experience so that you're, 
you're already kind of on board with how, how to recreate that? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yes. So we're actually just rehearsing, like we're, I have a release show in New York this, this Sunday. And so we're now rehearsing and playing these songs for the first time since we recorded them in February. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really nice to notice like that we got back in the room and like it was pretty much it's the same as it was in the studio. Like it was like got together like very easily. And I think that was because, you know, that was pretty much our experience in the studio as well. Like we were playing them together there. It wasn't like we're separated and just playing our parts and like then fitting them together later. It was just, you know, because we played the album pretty much live in the studio, then it's been really easy to pick it back up again and like uh, prepare it to perform live. Right. So the the album is, you know, Kielo is finished for Lily of the Valley, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And it's the lead off track. Like, was this something, was there an image of this flower that stuck in your head and that's why you wanted this this album and this this track or like what what led to that decision <laughs> uh kind of there's um actually in, in like in finnish uh you know i'm from finland in mm-hmm. finnish calendar there's this like every date of the year has a couple of different names attached to the dates you know they we call them name days you know okay and, and so my my name is ali and my i think my my name day is like end of august but my birthday uh, June fourteenth, the name of that day is Kielo, actually. Oh, okay. It's also a Finnish, like very old school, uh, male name, Kielo. And also, it's Kielo means the flower, and if you change the last letter to letter I, Kieli means string, or language, or tongue. You know, so it's like kind of this like theme of like string instruments and like a lot of strings on the album. It right. also kind of all comes together there. And also like the just the the flower Kiela Lilith the Valley. I think it's kind of you know, I was trying to go with like this organic sound that like natural nature, that kind of thing. So it kind of all has a little bit of, you know, significance in that way too. And also I think it's a beautiful word. So this is like if a jazz artist had like like a like a cactus on their Americana record, <laughs> you putting the the lily of the valley is like Finlandia or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, before we go, I want to get you to pick a track off of the album that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song in particular, I'd love to hear that. Um, well, depending how long of a track you're, whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I, I like all the, I think all the tracks have like really, uh, I mean, deep meaning to me. Yeah. I really, the ones we put up, I, I like, so I, I put up videos for a couple of them and I, I like all of those tracks. Obviously Vegas is favorite and lento is the other one i think lento is specifically like it's really nice kind of combination of the different influences of like kind of like scandinavic melancholism and then also like this almost like post-rock vibes at the solo section so if you if you want to play something maybe play that yeah okay so speaking of the scandinavian i mean that reminds me to ask in terms of like growing up with like ecm artists was mm-hmm. that like kind of like the biggest influence on you like what was, was your definitely was a huge huge i wasn't like like growing up and learning jazz i was like pretty hardcore just like bebop and american jazz and that's the that's the thing but like i definitely like i was really into like john abercrombie's ecm albums you know and kind of like still like very i think very a very strong strong guitar playing but then 
kind of with this like ECM like kind of atmosphere and sounds and stuff. I think that was like uh yeah, definitely was a huge hit. But like I didn't really grow up listening to like the Nor Norwegian ECM stuff and like the hardcore European stuff, but I I definitely opened up to that those sounds later a little bit, you know. And also like just like being being here, I I've lived in US for eleven years now and so like kind of like trying to connect with my own, you know, own past and like where I'm from, you know, that's also like so kind of drawn me to get a little bit more into like finding out about more more European, more Nordic jazz and like try to connect with those sounds as well. That what you listen to can shape who you are, but who you are can shape yeah. what you listen to. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. Yeah. We'll give Lento a listen. Uh, congratulations on the record. I really, I really love it. And I yeah, appreciate you, so you taking some time to talk about it. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Back before the break, UK duo, according to the sound with politics of fiction off of their Intention album, as I review some of my favorite jazz releases of 2022. Uh, Reminder that uh, the entire long list is up uh, on a link shared on my Instagram, at Wax and Caps. That's where I posted a picture of the parable of the poet the Joel Ross album. Um, we're going to play you some more jazz here. Odette Zur's album, Isabella, came out on ECM. Uh, talked a little bit about that label with Ole Hirvonen at the end there. Uh, Love Song for the Rainy Season is my favorite track from that. Uh, then we've got Alvaro Rojas, who uh, did a collaboration with Peanuts and Corn's mastermind, McEnroe, uh, but also released a solo record this year called Music for 22 that I loved. We're going to play Wish. Uh, the Jeff Parker ETA Quartet released Mondays at the Enfield Tennis Academy. Parker, man, prolific, uh, not necessarily as prolific as Satoko Fuji in her 100 albums, but uh, no less prolific. He's had a few titles this year that he appeared on. Uh, but uh, I'm going to play you the track 2019-07-08 Roman numeral 2. All, all of them are very obscurely titled uh, just based on the date that they were recorded. Uh, then we've got some Leland Witty. Uh, late entry on the year-end list, just released uh, about a week and a half ago, called Anyhow on Innovative Leisure, the uh, former Bad, Bad, Not Good member. And then Cedric Hanrio's Time is Color. Going to leave you with that one because it gets a little more upbeat and we'll hand things over to After 8 Radio. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. 